Welcome to How Have You Not Seen. I am your co-host, Carson Betts. And I am your co-host, Caroline Thompson. This is a podcast where every week one of us chooses one of our favorite movies the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. And then we watch the movie. And then we talk about it some more. Oh, uh, it's going to be a wonderful Would you say it's a wonderful time? Life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ha, 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 ha. All right. Uh, Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays, uh, all who are celebrating any sort of holiday, this beautiful holiday season. Um, let's just get into it. Caroline, how have you not seen It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, so this is going to be one of the more interesting ones in the universe mm-hmm. um, because I have not seen It's a Wonderful Life because, um, as I've kind of like mentioned multiple times on the show, in terms of my family, I don't really know where I come from uh, because nobody in my family likes movies. Like nobody, like there is not, like every year we watch at Christmas, we watched A Christmas Story, period. Like that was it. That was the one movie every year. We made, we, we made sure we sat down and watched it. That was it. Um, and like, obviously we would watch, like my sister and I would watch like what was on like ABC Family or like Disney Channel or like whatever. But there was no like, oh, this is like a canonical holiday classic. We must watch it every year. So I made it through childhood without seeing a lot of like the big, um, the big holiday Christmas movies. And when I was in high school, I was uh, shockingly a, a, a giant nerd. And this was back when you would get um, DVDs from Netflix And I was like, I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. It is like the classic holiday movie. So I got it from Netflix and I invited like all of my friends. I had like 15 people all crammed over in my living room. um, And we were going to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And we were going to like order pizza and like do the whole thing. And we did. And we had the little friend holiday party get together with food and drink and merriment. And It's a Wonderful Life certainly played on the television but here's the thing about when you get 15 high school theater kids in a room together um they don't shut the fuck up yeah they don't were all talking. too busy making out no no nobody made out oh. we were very we were very um so Corey and i went to high school together so uh he can he can vouch for this um but uh we we were very um we were like the very innocent theater kids. We were like, until we got to college where, yes. where you and I met and we became fucking degenerates. Yes. But, I, um, I too came from a very chaste high school. Yes. It was very like, we were the theater kids. Cause like, I, I, I'm sure you remember this. We would, we went to college and we would like talk to people and they were like, yeah, like our high school theater cast parties, there's like all this cocaine and blow. And like people were like sleeping together and like hooking up in like the, the, the guest bedrooms. And we were like, y'all, we like had pizza and played show tunes. Yeah. Like, our moms were all there, like telling us what a good job we all did in the in the play that night. Like we mm-hmm. were not that that kind of theater kid. Um, but yes, yeah, so I got 15 theater kids in a room and I put this movie on and I don't think we made it to the through the, you know, through the opening credits before we just started before we were all turned away from the television talking to one another and not sure. paying any attention to this movie. So sure. um, that's how I've never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've just never 
tried to catch it since because I I have had this thing in my brain of just like I need to sit down and like pay attention to this thing mm-hmm. and I don't want to half-ass it ever again and I just you know that was probably 12 15 years ago and here we are here we are uh so what do you know about it's a wonderful life okay so here's another thing that it has to do that relates to high school theater um I actually know pretty much fucking everything about this movie yeah because one it's like super famous obviously Mm -hmm. but also um this was after i like went through high school and college and everything um one of the local theater departments over covid one of like the local high school theater departments in like the the city where i lived because they were they couldn't do anything um in person they did a fully produced radio play of its wonderful life because like after this film came out like it became a radio play and like people like you know theater troops would like do it and stuff and so one of the local high school theater departments did it and I thought that was a really cute idea and it was like the peak of COVID so I listened to it like you know it was um it was like a quote-unquote ticketed stream it was like Mm -hmm. at 8 p.m on Friday night like you know you pay ten dollars and you get into the the zoom room and it was, it was pre-recorded. It was just streaming, but like, um, and it was great. It was like, it was really like high quality. Actually. It was, um, it was super, uh, like produced and like done. And like, clearly they had like done takes and like rehearsed everything. And it was, it was, it was great. So I have listened to, I would say 80% of the dialogue and, uh of this film like pretty much verbatim and Mm. have heard the whole story anyway heard it from top to bottom um some notorious highlights obviously um this is frank capra yes 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 um jimmy stewart oh Uh, james credited as james stewart credited as james early enough in his career yes yes playing george bailey Mm mm-hmm and okay, so this is a thing too that I that I believe is true about the film as well. Um, in that two big misconceptions about this film are one, that it's like a Christmas movie through and through. Like it's a movie that starts and ends at Christmas time. This is something I was going to bring up immediately it's, after you were done talking. Yeah, yes. it's very much a film that like key moments of it are centered around Christmas and I believe the finale of the film is centered around Christmas so like it feels like a big Christmas movie when you're done with it but like Mm -hmm. 80% of this movie takes place at times that are not Christmas um and it is not a film that is like particularly like it's it's that very old-timey thing like you know um in the way that uh you know like like traditionally in the theater, like comedies have taken place in the summer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like traditionally speaking, like comedies end with a wedding where tragedies end with death. Like in a lot of like American and like Western stuff in the 20th, like 18th, 19th, 20th century, like a lot of the big emotional climaxes happened around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that the film just kind of does that. And people are like, it's a Christmas movie, even though yeah. it's like, it is, but it's not. Um, Another big misconception, too, that I believe is true about the film as well, is that the entirety of this movie is a guy's about to kill himself and an angel comes to him and shows him his entire life. That's like the last like 30 minutes, right? It's, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like you see his <laughs> entire life and it is like about this man in this town, like growing up and becoming a part mm-hmm. of the community and like, like the life that he lives. And then the last 30 minutes is 
no, don't kill yourself. This is what your life would be if you weren't around to live it. The angel shows up and says, ha, 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 no, you're so sexy. Don't kill yourself, George Bailey. Um, Yeah, it's something I definitely want to talk about, and I'm sure we'll get to, is the uh, very odd structure of this film in which there is this, like, really, like, really high-concept magical plot element that only occurs in the last act of the movie in a way that really should not work, but kind of does. Right. Um, uh, yeah, this, I, I feel like we, we run a movie podcast, obviously you're listening to it right now and we have yet to on this podcast, I think have the uh, government mandated, what is a Christmas movie discussion. And I think, yes. of course, you know, of course, like Die Hard is the, that's the the kind of stereotypical movie under which that discussion is held. I think that discussion is boring and played out. And I think that Die Hard is obviously a Christmas movie. I think a much more interesting discussion is, is oh, It's a Wonderful Life, a Christmas movie. Uh, a discussion that I look forward to having in the second half. Yes. Well, I don't think, you've never seen Meet Me in St. Louis, have you? No. Okay. That is one of my, um, my more recent uh as an adult, like, oh, that's a banger of a Christmas movie. Hmm. And it's very similar. It's like the first 80% of the film does not take place at Christmas. And it's just like the finale, like the final, like the final stretch of the film is at Christmas time because that's like, you know, that's when family shit happens. And that's when like emotions are high and love is in the air and all of that stuff. And it is this canonical Christmas movie. And I was watching it for the first time a few years ago with my mother who had also never seen it. And we're just like, what the fuck does this thing become a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. And I think it counts as a Christmas movie. I will be watching it again this year at Christmas. I've been yeah. like, I've been, I've kind of been staving off the impulse because at the time of this recording anyway, uh, it's before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so I've been like, oh, I really want to watch Meet Me in St. Louis, but I'll wait, I'll wait. Yeah. I'll wait, I'll wait. I, I, as a rule, don't like to watch Christmas movies until there is snow on the ground. My, my rule um, and it's the same thing too with uh, Christmas carols mm. is the first time I turn on Christmas music is while I'm making Thanksgiving dinner. Sure. When I am in the kitchen making food for Thanksgiving, that is when Chris- that is when the Christmas tunes start. Yeah, that's a, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm very, yeah, we, we will discuss this in the second half, I think, in greater depth. I am historically a very old Ebenezer Scrooge type when it comes to uh, Christmas celebration and that like in my ideal world all the Christmas celebration would happen the last two weeks of December and it would be very intense and very like it would you would flip a switch and suddenly everything would be Christmas but up until then nobody would ever mention it because I really like it when things are brief and intense rather than this weird six month long miasma which is what Christmas has turned into in the modern capitalist age. But I am very excited to rewatch this movie. This movie is uh, excellent. It, it, I, surprise, surprise, this movie that everybody thinks is great is very, very good. Right. This, yeah. this film that's now uh, over 80 years old that people have been decrying as one of the seminal works of American cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the AFI top 100. Alert. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's um, checks notes good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, do you know anything else about It's a Wonderful Life? 
I mean, yes, uh, fucking, uh, you want the moon, I'll get you the moon. I'll oh. throw a big lasso around it and, and I'll get you the moon. Uh, a beautiful speech. Makes me right. cry. So one other thing I know about this movie is there's a scene where it's like, I think it's like a dance mm-hmm. at the high school. And I think it's in like the gym. But for some reason, the gym is on yeah. top of the pool. Like they have a like an electric floor yeah, that and they covers all get the wet. pool and they yeah and they're like what if we opened it and draw and dunked all of our classmates in their nice like ball gowns and suits and things and they 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 drown all of their classmates but it's like a silly prank nobody gets expelled and then of course the film as an adult like centers mm. around the banking yeah. crash right and it's like a bunch of it's like a bunch of greedy developers in the the small american town like make junky bets on the stock market or whatever and then the the banks go under and george is a is like the local community banker and he's like oh see i've got all of our community's money tied up in here and if you're doing all these oh no and it's all your fault and i'm just poor george bailey trying to help because this was before Uh the fdic yes because that didn't happen until after very true, the very banks true. all you're, failed. You're referencing a scene that I reference to my cat all the time, which is he's, <laughs> he's, they all come to him and he, he says, no, your, your money's not here. <laughs> my, uh, my, my Jimmy Stewart is not Jimmy Stewarting today. That was a little bit more Owen Wilson, but you get the point. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, if that's all you know, are you ready for a game this week, Caroline? I am now, ready for a game. We're going to be doing a classic Rotten Tomatoes, The Price is Right. Uh, if you have not played this game with us before, it is very, it's conducted very similar to how it sounds. I have chosen three movies, uh, this film as well as two others. Um, I'm going to say the name of the movie, uh, Caroline going first, and then me, we're going to guess what their critics' consensus score on Rotten Tomatoes is. Uh, and then closest without going over, best two of three, we'll reveal when we come back. Uh, and whoever gets best two of three wins the week. Are you ready? Excellent. All right, let's start I'm with so It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, I mean, this is another one. We talk about it all the time. In the binary yes, no of Rotten Tomatoes, this should be a 100% because of its place in American cinema. Um, Having said that, the odds that it is are probably low. I'm sure some asshole is like, if I were George Bailey, I simply wouldn't have gone into banking. Um, (laughs) If I was a banker during the, um, if I was a local community banker during the, uh, during the financial crash that led to the Great Depression, I simply wouldn't have if, let that happen if to me. I were an F minus. Um, have wings. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm. I don't need no. F- oh, that's another thing. Yes. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Um, and that's another thing. Like the angel, like it's like this is like his like his like test kind of a thing it's like well maybe you're an angel but you got to go help george bailey and then at the end it's christmas and the bells are ringing and he gets his wings and the little girl okay great Mm -hmm. that's another thing i know about this movie there's a lot Um, see there's so much there's fucking so much yeah he's like a little angel in training kind of guy um kind of boy um what else okay so yes um 
I'm going to say 96. I'm going to say 96. I'm going to attack it with some confidence and say 99. Okay. 96, 99. Top 100, baby. Uh, All right, movie. This is the sweatiest group of three movies I've ever done for this game. Uh, Number two, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissel. Ah, uh, yes. Um, cause life I did think of two other movies that I'm like, yeah, I'm really, I am not certain where those Rod Beta scores are, though. So I think that'll be. Let's see. I think this one is probably a little bit lower because Wes Anderson, while he gets good reviews, can be polarizing for sure. I'm going to say 70. I'm going to say 76. 76%. This life Aquatic. is. Uh, in many people's estimations, the bad Wes Anderson movie. Um, right. But the but the flip side of that is there are a lot of people who say, no, it's the yes, best one. It is the Wes Anderson movie I have watched most. And I don't even think it's that good. I just have watched it a lot. Um, I'm going to say 68. I'm going to go a little lower. Okay, you could have gone 69, I, but I didn't, didn't want to work blue. It's Christmas. It's not time for that. This is a family podcast. Fair uh, enough. Um, no. <laughs> um, uh, the third movie this week is Life. The, the f- I believe the 2016. Let me check. The 2016, 2017 Daniel Espinosa picture starring... Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Rebecca Ferguson. The movie that everyone thought was going to be a backdoor Venom prequel. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. uh, Before Ruben Fleischer gifted us with Venom, the greatest film of all time. Okay, yeah, I... I'm going to guess that this one's kind of low because I had no idea what it was, but then you said... It was this movie people thought was a mm-hmm. backdoor Venom prequel. And I was like, oh, yeah, I vaguely remember that. Um, so that being its legacy, I'm going to say it's probably not great. And no offense to no offense to Mr. Reynolds, who I think is generally a talented individual. He doesn't always make the best films. I'll, I'll go one step further than so, that. I'd like for Ryan Reynolds to go away for a little while. <laughs> I've had about yeah, enough of him. I think I, I, so my thing is, I don't think I've, I, my thing is not, I've had too much Ryan Reynolds. It's I've had I've too had, many too Ryan much Reynolds Deadpool. movies. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I think he should do the, um, I think he should do the go away and do a bunch of like indie dramas for five years that are all kind of weird and then come back, um, with a weird auteur, like dark comedy hit, um, and he can be back, and he can be he can be he can he do what Robert never. Pattinson did. But that would be um, great. No, no, he won't. But um, but also, like, why would yeah. he? He's making a shit ton of money, and he seems happy. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and say fifty four percent for this, knowing literally nothing about this movie other than those three actors, and that um, uh, people thought as it was a backdoor event, as I recall, which it was not. People did not dislike this movie as much as they... I have never seen this film. Uh, people did not dislike it as much as they thought they would. 
I think the read on this movie okay. is like, yeah, that's a pretty like pretty solid movie to come out in March or whatever. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say a tight sixty nine. <laughs> We're 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 there talking we about Venom now, there we go. so I'm off the leash. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of two <laughs> things, which are um, Carson being horny and Venom. Um, did you see the Madam Web trailer that dropped today. today? It looks horrible. It looks so bad. Yeah. So yeah, I woke up. I have not. I have not actually watched it, but I woke up to my Twitter feed that was a resounding okay. Not even this looks okay. Just like everyone's like, yes, message received. The trailer you, dropped. That's it. We will acknowledge you know the trailer when it's dropped. coming out. Like what the release date is. It releases no. on Valentine's Day, twenty twenty four. Which Carson, <laughs> that is that is that is made for you. It's great. It means this Valentine's Day, I get to go see my future wife. It's fantastic. It'll be. I was just going to say, I was just going to say, on future Valentine's Day, you'll get to tell your future mm-hmm. wife, Dakota Johnson, hey, so I know that this is the first Valentine's Day <laughs> you're spending with me, but let me tell you, I went to see Madam Web by myself yeah. on Valentine's uh, Day. Here's my take on the Madam Web trailer, uh, superhero costumes. Everyone, there's been a lot of talk over how all the CGI in superhero movies is really bad, and that's uh, correct. It's a, a correct... Uh, A correct criticism, I think. Not enough talk of how all the costumes in superhero movies look fucking atrocious. They're all god-awful now. They're all really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Madam Web definitely features some costumes that I'm like, I don't think that one was ready. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the screenshots, and I think Uh, I know the one you're talking about. (laughs) I I don't know about. Um, All right. Are you ready to go watch It's a Wonderful Life? Movie, I'm so I'm ready. Guess Let's do it. Probably a little bit better than Madam Web is going to be. Hey everyone, taking a break in the middle of the episode while Caroline and I watch the movie to uh, talk to you about our sponsor this week, and that sponsor is Liquid IV. It's a category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and now it comes in sugar-free flavors. Liquid IV can aid in more effective hydration than water alone using a scientifically and clinically studied zero sugar hydration solution. Now, I know that there's like an incorrect assumption out there that Liquid IV is some kind of sports or energy drink, kind of like, and Corey, you're going to have to bleep this out, or or whatever swill the rocks pedaling nowadays, but it's not. Liquid IV is a hydration multiplier, the result of extensive R&D to create a product that hydrates you more efficiently than water alone and tastes great while doing it. And this is how it works. You get your little pouch of Liquid IV powder, you tear open the top, and you drop it in 16 ounces of water, and you shake it up. And that water is now much more flavorful and will hydrate you two times as fast as plain water would have. I've used Liquid IV after long walks in the sun or long work days when I forgot to drink water for 10 hours straight, and it works amazingly to get me feeling hydrated. And I'll tell you a secret hack, one rapidly aging millennial to another. It's a great preventative measure against hangovers, too. Uh, Have you ever listened to an episode of this podcast where it kind of sounds like I've had one too many beers? 
Yeah, I'm looking at you, Ice Storm episode. I probably drank a liquid IV immediately after we recorded, nine out of ten times. Uh, so you can get 20% off when you grab your liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free or any other variant at liquidiv.com using my coupon code H-H-Y-N-S-P-O-D. That's H-H-Y-N-S-P-O-D at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code H-H-Y-N-S-P-O-D at liquidiv.com. All right, back to the episode. Zuzu! <laughs> I love her pedals. She's a great oh, character. Oh, her Horrible little name. Bad name for a little girl. That is, that is, that is, that is a demon name, Caroline. What are you talking about? Nope. I disagree. Uh, more, more <laughs> small children named Zuzu. That's what I have to say. <laughs> his, his children's names are like, like Joni and, and like Terrence and Zuzu. <laughs> I'm here for it. They are creative parents. <laughs> they are the original white Our women. children, Bailey, uh, Asterlin, uh, and Zuzu. And uh, okay. Um, honestly, what do though. you, I know, I we've been texting about this movie a lot. I know, but tell our audience what you think about this movie, Caroline. Um, I'm trying really hard not to say, quote, <laughs> more like it's a wonderful movie, end quote. Um, yeah. Because that came really close to my Letterboxd review. Um, and I mean, so I gave this thing five mm. stars on Letterboxd because of course I did. This is one of those films for me that it's like, it's such a seminal classic. It's so phenomenal. Everything about it is great. I loved it so much. That I'm almost like, I feel like I'm doing the film yeah. a disservice by giving my opinions on it. Just like the opinion is it speaks mm -hmm. for itself. Go watch it. It's a heartwarming masterpiece. It's so lovely. Um, and uh, to the degree where I think the film is largely and I'm not talking about the angels. I'm not talking about the angels to the degree to which I think the film is very, very much a fantasy. Um, I do also <laughs> want to say we used to be a country. God damn it. We used to be a proper country. Like, uh. like it is a film. It is a film that makes me both so delighted because it's so heartwarming and wonderful to watch. And yeah. so angry because it's like, we learned nothing. We learned like, like, like Potter is a, is a Potter is tame compared to what the capitalists are doing now. Potter's just like a rich dude. He's not trying to like bring back child labor and amass so much wealth. That like, yeah. like he's a slum Lord for sure, but he's not trying to like, harvest all of our data to sell. you know what i mean it's like it's like capitalism has only gotten more and more and more craven and even before like the 1950s 1960s 1970s yeah. quote-unquote post-war quote-unquote good old days i didn't mean to put post-war in quotes just good old days um 
even before that, Frank Capra's like, hey guys, like American capitalism is a uh, really ironic bad given that for the work. Yeah, ironic given that Frank Capra was a lifelong out. conservative Republican. <laughs> As which I which I think partially is like the <laughs> like, this movie is you know, before the Red Scare. This movie is before uh anything that had even a minor stink of socialism on it was, you know, jutted from American society. Right. But like, yes, and like, and I mean, you know, it is one of those things that it's like, I will truly never know because I can never experience it myself. But like, I want, I I really want, and I'm sure there are books on this that I could find had I I looked into it. But like, I really want to read about the actual American political discourse pre, pre, uh, particularly pre-Cold mm-hmm. War, but also particularly pre-Ronald Reagan, where fucking mm-hmm. everything in the universe got co-opted and everything became, like, that's when, like, crypto-fascism was just, like, yes, and you can be a crypto-fascist and you can be a pre- and the president of the United States. And, like, because it's one of those things where it's, like, you see, like, I mean, obviously, like, I don't want to sit here and say everything pre-1960 was all sunshine and daisies because the civil rights act had not happened and we've still got a long way to go in that regard you know what i mean like like queer rights the conversation had not even begun you know what i mean like watch mad men women couldn't have you know they couldn't open a credit card until the 70s so like i'm not here to say that it was all sunshine and daisies but like before this hyper conservative like neocon capitalism of Ronald Reagan, it's like you see shit like you see like pre like uh, pre film uh, newsreels uh, from like the forties where it's like you know it's like a black guy and a Jewish guy and a white guy being all like hey brother like we are like brothers in arms and we should like stand up to these fucking fascists because like. Every man, every yeah, man yeah. who works, you know, a decent, you know what I'm saying. Like, there was a there class so consciousness much, like, in America there before is that, you know, was exacerbated yes. by the Great Depression as pictured somewhat to some extent in this movie. Um, yeah. Yes. In, thank in, you. Thank you for yeah. putting it. In the words of J. Robert Oppenheimer, uh, he was a, a, a New Deal Democrat. Yes. I mean, a perfect example, which is FDR, who was the most economically, maybe the most economically liberal president we've ever had. Yeah. And Frank Capra fucking hated him, which is so funny if you watch this movie. Yeah. Right. Which is very funny if you watch this movie. But like, but it is just that thing of like, I, I do watch this film and it. I mean, it's always that thing with art where, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be, you have to be discerning and you have to be critical. Um, Cause it's like, I watch this film and I'm just like, I'm just like, yeah, uh-huh. Retweet, like retweet, like retweet everything about this film. But also it's like, but then, cause I don't think this film is propaganda. I really don't. But I do think Frank Capra does have this very, idealized version of things and it's always that conversation people get into where it's just like well like what's aspirational and what's like saccharine and like 
purporting a false story yeah, that everything's yeah, gonna yeah. be okay or everything uh, is yeah. okay. You know what I mean? But with a hundred years of hindsight on this movie, I watch it and I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, we fuck it, we knew, we knew, like we knew, like we knew. Yeah, and it was a, it became the most popular movie of all time. It's, it became the seminal American holiday classic. Is this film about how? You should help out your friends and it's not all about money and you pulling together as mm -hmm. a community, both to save the building and loan to keep mm -hmm. it afloat helps actually helps everybody and how you helping out your, uh, your fellow man yeah. when he's about to be it, it ruined this, actually this helps out odd... everyone. It, it's interesting to think about where the, you know, the kind of median American, is going to be in 1946, right? Like, because this movie comes so fucking hot after the end of the war. Like, Jimmy Stewart comes back, like, you know, is much like his character's brother in this movie comes back with, like, a fucking couple of medals and then immediately starts shooting this fucking movie. Um, and, and I think a lot of it maybe is tied up in, like, well, okay, we just got done with this war. We just pulled out of this depression, like we and and there is an optimism in that time that this movie is really capitalizing on. But it is also before the kind of the stale like fifties era America really kicks into full gear. And that's not to say I do. I mean, I think there are elements of this movie that I think you could call rather propagandistic. I think this movie really depicts like a kind of white suburban small town America Americana that like a lot of conservative politicians now love to like call back to as much as fucking and i will sing his praises especially in this fucking movie i love 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 james stewart one of our greatest living actors of all time the absolute highlight of this movie he is a man who campaigned for bob goldwater and was a very very conservative individual in his life and yet he i mean I don't know his feelings towards shooting this movie, but has no problem playing with full force a scene in which he, you know, staves off a bank run by telling everybody that like, well, no, we need to come together as, as like a working class and hold one another up. And part of that, I, I don't know, I think is that like the core of this movie is so fucking metaphysical. Like I literally starts with angels talking and there is that level of magic to it. But so much about of this movie is about just like the power of kindness and a and like the mythological idea of a hero and like what having friends means like these these much bigger things. Yeah. But but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think there's a lot tied up in this movie. That's not me saying this movie is not fucking excellent because it is. It's one of my favorites. So goddamn good. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, it's that thing where it's just like, I mean, between like mm -hmm. between the Southern strategy in the sixties and Reagan mm -hmm. turning everything just full neocon in the eighties. Like, I feel like our ability to like fully understand American, like the lineage yeah. of American politics has been so scrambled and so divorced from any, real reality um because like this film is entirely about you know exactly what you're saying like literally the moment every moment in I the movie the entire time in this movie just the whole is time when the guy says well sure 
but like, you know, I, I knew the story. I knew a lot of the plot beats. I knew a lot of that stuff. So I was like, I was really vibing with it. I'm like, oh, it's so cool to like finally see that. Like blah, 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 blah. When it gets to the end and it says, hey, everyone, oh. like it's George Bailey, the richest man in town. Yeah. It just kills me. It just kills me because it's just like, it's like, I mean, that's, that's, what that's it is. the shit right there. That's Richest the man juice. That's the Great sauce. callback also, I think, to the, the, I think the first, the first of many great scenes in this movie when he defends the memory of his father or when he defends his father as a child and calls him the biggest man in town. He looks at Potter and says, you're nothing. My dad's the biggest man in town. Yeah. Right. And it's just like, and it's, and it's like the the whole thing mm-hmm. is about like an in between. It's like he tells him mm-hmm. to like go shove the like shove your job offer. Yeah. Like, like you can't buy me off with money. Like, and like, I mean, I know that like you know it's it's so baffling to think that yeah men yeah. who could identify well, I, as conservatives. And could I think say part that. of it also is in this movie Back in something because I. I you know, I, I this movie is. I was watching it on Amazon, and one of the tags that it had was uh, "gentle." And I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, I don't know if this movie is very gentle. This movie yeah. is really fucking sad. This movie is gets in. There is the like core magical premise of this movie is that all of this only happens because our main character is considering suicide, not like in a funny movie kind of way in a very real human sort of way. I, I think my, the most affecting scene in this movie to me is the, when he's sitting at the bar and he's talking, he's praying to God and you can, you're just watching Jimmy Stewart play a guy who is actively considering killing himself and not, yeah, not in an exaggerated way in a very down to earth, yeah. like realistic sense, realistic way. Um, and it's something else that I think about that is really about the magic of this movie and the magic of George Bailey that really sets it apart from so many modern movies that are, you know, quote unquote, gentle, feel good, hopeful. And a lot of those movies, I think, end up really falling flat to me because they feel particularly saccharine. And this movie does not because this movie is not afraid to go to the dark places. And this movie is as much as people idealize Jimmy Stewart and particularly Jimmy Stewart's performance in this movie as being representative of kind of a perfect, you know, all American heroic patriarch figure. George Bailey is not an uncomplicated hero. He's a a deeply dark man that has a lot of like issues and you know, the things about him that are good and righteous just so happen to be a little bit bigger than the things about him that are dark and bad. I mean, this is a movie in which he, like, yells, like, before he marries his wife, but, like, grabs his wife by the lapels and screams in her face multiple times, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and to me, I think it's yeah. that tension that really that really sells the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree. Like, I feel like there is one moment in, there's one moment in the film where it's, he's running through the now, like, ruined town. Um, and there is, like, a little bit of, like, it's like, oh, no, there's, a, there's like, yeah. you know, there's, there's uh, girls, 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 oh, no, like, you know, there's a little bit of that. Um, 
there's a few, there's a, there's several things in that montage that's a little mm-hmm. like you know it's a little like anti vice it's a little like it's a little like oh this is like like bars and liquor are seedy and like that's the thing too which is a great moment but he's like gee can i get like a whatever yeah. he asked for and he's like this is a bar where we sell hard liquor where you can get drunk fast and that's supposed to be like to yeah. show that the the moral character of the town has completely deteriorated so there's that moment but otherwise I find that this movie is really not invested in like, I was very surprised in like, in there was not a lot of posturing about like, mm-hmm. about like moral purity. Like, and that was a thing. Like there was not like, there was, I, I found that like, I don't know, like, I was very surprised by I'm just like, oh, this film feels kind of like kind of radical in it in just being like kind of realistic. Like he's not like a a super straight laced God fearing wasp who's like an angry man who like, you yeah, know, who no. like he's not like a masculine icon, basically. And his wife isn't like, you know, his wife isn't this uh like caricature of um of like the model housewife you know what i mean like yeah she she rebuilds the home but she rebuilds the home you know and like i was really i was really like pleasantly surprised by that because i kind of figured this was gonna be one of those movies that i'd have to Mm -hmm. kind of wade through some of that and i found it really really nice that like when he when there's the run on the bank and he goes home to his wife. He's just like, he calls her and he's like, I am so sorry. Like, I got carried away. Like, this was really important. But, like, I fucked up. Like, they, there wasn't this, like, no, I was being a big masculine hero and saved the day. So, therefore, I have nothing to apologize for. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, wow, he's really, like, tenderer through a lot of this movie. Which makes the scenes, like, which makes that mm-hmm. ending scene yeah. so distressing. And so many films, I feel like, of that era and even even eras post that, I feel like, um, display stern, angry, stoic masculinity as the ideal. And in this, him coming home and making his fucking work problems everybody else's problems and being an asshole to his family who doesn't understand is, like, literally considered to be a sign that he, he is going he, to it, kill it, himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, that he is so desperate. Like, he is so desperate in that moment that he, him behaving like that is indicative of he is in the worst place he's ever been in in his life. Yeah, and, and it's, it's supposed to be. And it's really good characterization because and the movie is. does a very good job of showing you that kind of, that George Bailey's like big tragic flaw in a way is is his anger and his temper and his like his comp- he has a bit of an egotism in him i think is is what combines a lot of it is that he is a guy who he's a great totally. guy and everybody fucking loves him but he just thinks he deserves so much more like he we made the we we texted a lot about how i love this movie because it's just spider-man 2 uh and this movie is just spider-man 2 in a lot of ways um but like he basically <laughs> yes yeah. A whole lot dedicated yeah, to yeah. what if, what yes, if, the, what if you never existed? Uh, what if you weren't around? Uh, what would the world be like? And um, that's bad. But like, 
it he has the like Peter Parker in Spider-Man 2, like what about me? What about what I want? scene like he has those peppered in throughout this movie so much of the tension of it is is between well i want this which is also just fucking basic drama i want this thing but i actually need this other thing you know basic characterization right there and so much of the right the, what makes him great what makes him this this almost hero figure this like perfect idealized patriarch is that like he can fucking stick it to people. Like he, he can tell off Potter. He can tell it like it is. He can go to people and give a big rousing speech. There's that line. Um, oh God, I think his uncle has it where he says something about like, oh yeah, you know, George making, you know, making a speech just like George. Like that's kind of what he does. He can, he can take people's anger and really crystallize it because he knows that, you know, they deserve better and he deserves better. But that is also the thing that kind of is his downfall. He's got this incredible anger in this like, you know, this lust for more, this, this ambition that he just can't get rid of and his journey to shedding that. That's the movie. That's what it is. That's the whole, uh, that's the angel conceit. Yeah. Uh, love old, yeah. old Jimmy S in this fucking movie. Um, mm. yeah, I, I fucking love this movie. I really, really, really thought like, I don't know. I really, really, really would not have been surprised if this is one where I was like, oh, yes. And if I put on my film historian cap, I can really yeah. appreciate it. But it's just like, it's a, it's I a think it's a banger. lot of, because there's a lot it's of, a you know, I've, I've alluded to it, but I think you could really dig into this and be like, okay, well, in this, in this semiotic way, there is this like, reestablishment of this kind of false idea that a lot of conservatives would like you to believe about America. You know, this movie is about like relatively successful white people helping other white people be successful in a lot of ways. You know, it's, I think it's, it's it kind of pointed that like, well, yeah, we're going to help the Italian immigrant buy a family, but like, we're not really, you know, we're not economically advancing Annie at all. You know, there's kind of that thing in there. And I don't think that that's a conscious choice on the part of the filmmakers. But if you know America, yeah, if you know American history, it's like kind of weirdly. No, of course not. Past that. Um, and there's a lot of things like that throughout the movie. There is I the montage of the war is like bordering on jingoistic. I mean, I think it's a little different because, again, this war had just ended. We are just out of it. I find it to be very fascinating that like in that montage, they reassert that everyone's still a hero that like, well, yep, his brother went off and he was a hero and he saved a bunch of people in transport and, um, and Mary, you know, worked for the VA and like collected, collected plastics and rubbers and metal and, and George, you know, well, he couldn't fight cause Vizier, you know, he was F4, but he still led a lot of people. We all pulled together to like get the war effort done and, and you know, beat the krauts and all this stuff. And he prayed and wept on VE day and he prayed and wept on VGA day and all that stuff. And like, but the way that they, and they paint this picture of like the American war machine is perfect and good. And there's like, you know, we're not going to get into any of the kind of moral complexity there, except the way that we're going to present Potter as being consistently evil is that he's the guy that does the draft, which is, a very interesting, you know, right thing right. to to kind of get between that I think as a modern audience, I watch that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? The draft is part of is as much a part of this machine as any of the, you know, rubber collection is too. It all serves the same fucking war machine. But like to an audience in 1946, there is such this recent fear of like, 
these two heads of like, we all have to do our part. It's important that we're fighting Hitler, but like, God, the draft is so unfair and, and such a looming specter over all of our lives. Yeah. 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 And I mean, like, look, I think, um, here, here's, here's an understatement. Um, the, the geopolitics, the geopolitics of world war two are uh, quite complicated, (laughs) you know, um, America's place in World War II is quite a complex thing mm-hmm. to kind of assign, like, thing good, thing bad to. And, and that is maybe <laughs> the I'm war be that... I'm totally honest with you. I think we can okay. argue that in popular American consciousness is, like, the least morally complex of all the American wars. <laughs> and yet... Correct. And so I think it's I think it's that thing of, like... You know, um, I mean, I think there is something to be yeah. said, especially because Frank Capra As did serve himself yeah. in the war. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's impo- or it, it's important to note that like, hey, like this thing was one, this thing happened to mm-hmm. like the guys in your town. And, like, this is an experience we all just went through. And, like, me me more so than anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't like the American military. I don't stand the American military. Mm-hmm. I don't stand the nation of America. But I do stand individual people. And I think it's a important thing to note that it's just, like, you know, for all of these people who went through this incredibly traumatic thing... Whether we like to admit it or not, you know, everybody likes to have this like, oh, we're all heroes narrative and like, you know, like every and everything's fine narrative. Like all these communities went through this incredibly traumatic thing. All these Mm -hmm. men were sent potentially to die. And it's like, yeah. And guess what? And they're fucking heroes. And they came back and they're heroes. And you know who sucks the most? The guy who said they had to do it. And, like, I can get behind that so hard. (laughs) Like, like, I, I do, like, I don't know. I, I've always had this very complicated thing in that, like, I hate the, the military industrial complex. I Mm -hmm. hate the American military. I'll say, I'll say it on mic. I don't care who hears it. Um, historically, a lot of, like, I mean, uh, most in one way or another, most, if not all of individual Mm -hmm. soldiers are victims of that machine and are, you know, brought in by force or by propaganda. And I don't think, I don't know. It's, it's difficult to say the least, but this film does not bother me in the slightest because I'm like, you're goddamn right. He stayed home. He helped collect rubber. He helped organize his community. And guess what? And then we dropped the nuke. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to know that, which, you know. Right. right, right, A couple more generations. We'll we'll, we'll deal with that in a couple more generations. And yeah. And that's the thing is if you made, again, I mean, like we, we talked about this over on Patreon mm-hmm. a lot because mm-hmm. we're talking Mel Brooks, so we're on Patreon, so we're talking Blazing Saddles. It's like, if you made this movie today, I would probably look at it and be yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's fucking propaganda. 
You know, like, like James Stewart did not save us in 1945. (laughs) Like James Stewart did not prevent a run on the bank. And James Stewart did not like the James Stewart's of the world did not prevent, you know, the whole town from being bought out by the worst man in history. All of that stuff happened. But when you're making this movie in 1946 and it is not a film about how this is a thing that happened or this is a film that this is how it is, you guys. This is what America mm-hmm. is. Even though the film is called It's a Wonderful Life, which we can maybe parse that in a moment. This is a film about how it should be and about how you should act now, today. And if everybody if everybody was actually James yeah, Stewart yeah. from 1946 it, it on, is there, the level of moral instruction in this movie is very clear. And I don't mind it because the moral instruction in this movie is like you know, be a good, be, yeah, be like a good be a person, good help, be a help your fellow, like help your neighbors, um, you know, appreciate what you have, love your wife, you know, you should really love your wife. It's good to be in love with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, your wife's cool and your kids it. are nice and you should probably like them. Um, her, her their names really are weird but, you know piano. it's very cute when she plays piano don't don't get in the way of her piano practice yeah uh yeah no it's, it's right right so it is if you made this movie today god if you released a movie anywhere anywhere this rosy about 1940s america and the year in which the two biggest non-barbie movies are oppenheimer and fucking killers of the flower moon it would people would Right in the streets. <laughs> yes. And yeah. And that is exactly it. And that is exactly it. Is we nowadays, nowadays, we need to make movies about yeah. how Jimmy Stewart didn't save us. How James Stewart yeah. was a myth that we like to tell ourselves. George Bailey is not real. George Bailey did not save us. And guess what? Yeah, That's no. not James Stewart and Frank Capra's fault. Because yeah. they were very clear like, hey, in their agenda. The, w- did we learn anything from the they depression? Everyone did. What did we learn? You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Eggs fucking exactly. Like that is that is literally the 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 main moral of this film is, is hey, guess what? Remember, remember that whole mm. depression we just lived through that killed a lot of people. That was the fault of all of these terrible rich guys named Potter. Well, guess what? Yeah. They didn't go away. They're still here. Like they just they 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 never left. They just changed their outfit, and we got to do it again. And you know what? We can fucking do it. Why? Because we're the goddamn United States of America, yeah. and we fucking beat Hitler. If we beat Hitler, we can beat Potter, you guys. And guess what? If you do that, you're going to be the happiest family on the fucking planet. And guess what? I agree with that. I think if working class America stood up and mm-hmm. fought fucking slumlords buying everything up and fought the like, you know, fought all of these forces going on in the 40s and in the 50s and in the 60s then we would yeah, be in a much think, better um, place now. But uh, they didn't, so we're not. Stupid optimism in the face of total darkness is like the one thing about American mythology that I personally really love. 
It's like, that's like the, anytime something taps yeah. into that, that's what I'm like, yeah, God damn it, America. It's, I always say there's this, um, I always make this joke. I'm like, you know, if I was a politician, this is how I would do it. This would be my messaging. And I'm never going to be a politician because that sounds like the fucking worst thing in the world. Um, but there's this like, God, I think it was, it was the 2016 race. I think it, yeah, it was 2016 and current Current um, current principal of America, uh, Joseph Rosef Biden, uh, gave a speech that was like the only good speech in the whole night. And it was just because it was just, you know, it's one of those rare times when all the, the clock comes together for Joe Biden and he can just scream about how we can do anything. And you're like, huh, all right, maybe, I guess. And my thing is always like, you know, if I had to be a politician, the way I'd do it is I'd just do that. But like socialism, I'd just be like, uh, you say we can't fucking, you know, get the homeless off the streets? Fuck you. This is America. We can do whatever the hell we want. This is America. You're saying we can't build a rail system across no, the country? I, Go fuck yourself. This is America. My grandpa. Yeah. Yes. No, I fucking love that shit. And that is like, and, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think yeah. I say this, I say this about most things politically. Mm. Like it, it takes a village. You, you need every tactic in your toolkit in order to win. Like you can't be mm -hmm. completely cynical all the fucking time. You can't be completely rosy about everything all the fucking time, but you need every, you need all of those people and all of those tactics in your coalition. Like, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, I say this all the time about like, about fascist, about defeating fascists is like, like, like to some degree, yeah. like, yes, we do need to put the facts out there. We do need to put like, Hey, actually all these things that the fascists are saying it's mm -hmm. wrong. And here's how I can, I can sh show you, but also, and a thing that they do really, really well. And a thing that we don't do well enough that we need to do yeah. is fucking humiliate them. Like we need to make fun of them. And that is like very important. And so it's like when I see people quote unquote, like debating fascists online, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, okay, to like, I was like, if you are trying to defeat a fascist with logic yeah. and you're agreeing to debate with them, you're platforming them. If your goal is no, I'm going to humiliate mm -hmm. them. I'm going to make them look like a fucking asshole. That yeah. is, that is, actually what you need to be doing and so it's kind of like i i so wholeheartedly agree with your thing carson is i've always said that like we need to be pulling out the yeah, yeah. we are the fucking united states of america yeah we put a like, man on the moon come on we can solve climate change i'm sorry like, are you fucking uh, kidding me like i'm sorry i'm sorry you're telling me that in the 1960s with a with one computer that had less computing power than one button in your calculator you're telling me that we could use that to put a man on the moon but you're telling me that we the united states of america the richest country in the history on uh, the in the history of the planet yeah we can't we, make our cars run on batteries it's like fuck yeah. you it's like yeah. fuck you yeah. we can do it we can do it easy we can do it with our eyes closed we can do it with our hands tied yeah, behind the, our back the british ruled the us and we fucking threw their tea in a harbor and they got so pissy about it that they left we can do reparations we can do anything what are you talking about i want to stand 
Yes. I want to stand on the fucking like starting line of the Indy 500. And as the cars are revving, I think I should be able to just fucking grab a microphone and say, we will open these goddamn borders. Gentlemen, start your engines and then go. And then I think everyone would get on board. I'm not even joking. No, I mean, I totally agree. And yeah. don't and and do not get me wrong. We've done a lot of America bad stuff. America is a lot of rough, rough evil stuff. empire. And I don't believe mm-hmm. I do not believe a lot yeah. of the patriotic myth making that has gone into American history and American politics. But I think. Yeah, you got to harken back to something. I think we can fucking harness it. Yeah. And I think that it's one of those things where, like, you know, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, man, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I say this all the time as a meme. I say this all the time yeah. as a bit. I am always saying we used to be a proper country about shit. Yeah. We are never a yeah, proper it's... country. Fuck this place. We are on stolen land. I would gladly, I would gladly you know, move back to fucking we Germany got right real now, close my, to having a democracy. We got, we were uh, like really on the path if, yeah. and then Reagan happened and then we just went, oh, I, I guess never. I guess we're never going to be a democracy. <laughs> just... Right. And so yeah. don't get me wrong. Yeah, the American no, experiment has failed. <laughs> <laughs> and I can prove it using stop making sense, by the way. That's my take. Uh, um, but the American experiment has failed. It was pro- it was perhaps a perhaps a failure from the start because it was founded on blood. Yeah. And it was founded on murder and it was founded on stolen land. That having been said, I think that we can I think that we can yeah, do yeah. fucking anything because we're humans god damn it and like that is my ultimate thing is like i i've seen this is a mm-hmm. great take that i love that i've seen so much about climate change which yeah. is people being like i'm not accepting that doomer shit human beings coming together and doing the fucking thing ha- is what we do yeah. it is in our blood we have to defeat the fucking people who are profiting we did it on from the podcast this. Have you have you seen the martian that guy yeah. fucking, fucking made potatoes out of shit and mars dirt humans could do anything <laughs> yes mm-hmm. for fucking real and that is and that is the fucking shit right there is i truly like i think america is is yeah. on its way out we are it's living rough. through the end of the empire how's rough, everybody rough, doing rough, everybody's rough. everybody's drinks still cold anybody need to top off mm-hmm. like sit on down because we are living through the end of the empire Having said that, I think that I think that we can easily win a lot of things if we take our shared love of humanity and yeah. say, fuck those fascists. We can do whatever the fuck we want. We're human beings. I, We're the like, maybe United not States for the America. whole country, but anything. maybe just like, I don't know, start small. Like if I went to, I live in Cleveland, Ohio, right? If I went to, like if I and Mayor Justin Bibb stood next to each other and I think if we really hyped each other up and, and you know, gave like a speech about like we're going to end like redlining, we're going to do like we're going to build a lot of affordable housing. And then like we each dumped like containers of Gatorade on each other. 
like at the end of the Super Bowl. I don't know. I, I, I think it'd be hard for anyone to deny that. It'd be like, yeah, no, I think we can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is why. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Corey has not been able to attend some of these recordings for very legitimate, very good life reasons. And I'm very happy and proud for him that he gets to go and do his old things. And he has set us up so well to be able to record these on his own. But it is the the benefit of having Corey live in these recordings that he can come on and say, hey, um, uh, it's a wonderful life. Let's get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like, okay, we've talked about this before on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like films that make you spiral about life and politics and society are actually the best movies of all time because we don't have to. Yeah. Um, But no, I mean, I fucking love this movie. I think it is so wonderful. I think it is actually like a masterpiece. And I think it is very upsetting that... Uh, we yeah. didn't have more George Bailey's. I want to say script's a complete masterpiece. That's a um, It is, you read a little bit of history of the production of the script. It's like a lot of thing in, in Hollywood in the 1940s, like kind of written by like seven different people in sequence. Uh, so it's a lot of shit that got Frankenstein together. And I think that's a little apparent given that it's this weird movie in which there's this very like strong magical like dramatic twist that is very memorable um and is if you asked someone on the street like what's the premise of this movie they would say like oh a guy a guy's gonna kill himself and then an angel takes into a world in which he never exists to like show him the error of his ways a thing that doesn't happen this, in this movie until the last half hour um <laughs> a movie a christmas movie in which christmas yes. does not happen until i checked an hour into the two hour long movie um yes which i will say more of this movie took place at christmas than i yeah, thought yeah honestly cuz we talked about that i was primed for i've seen this movie i have not seen this movie a ton i i watched it for the first time as an adult i've seen this movie like three or four times um, and I, I, we talked about it at the beginning cause that's always kind of my joke is like, well, this Christmas does not happen in this movie at all until the end. It is the last half. It's at that hour long mark, which is great. Cause the first uh, yeah. thing in the movie is he's like, um, one of the angels, Joseph is like, nah, Clarence sit down for like an hour. You gotta, you gotta watch an hour long movie about this guy's life before you can get down there. And then like an hour later, he's like, okay, it's time. Um, uh, but it, a lot of it is Christmas. I think this is undeniably a Christmas movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 110%. And it's, I don't know, it's a very good Christmas movie because it is, it is, it is not a film that seeks to explain the magic of Christmas. It is not a film that seeks mm-hmm. to capitalize on the magic of Christmas. It is not a film that, you know, purports to tell you for the millionth time the meaning of Christmas. It is a film that so thematically and so wonderfully yes. appeals to our shared humanity. And guess what better time to fucking do that in the same way that the movie Halloween is really brilliant because they just mm-hmm. said the scariest thing on the planet on the scariest night of the year. <laughs> this movie is great because it's just like, and then the climax of our story, yeah. guess when it takes place, baby. Christmas. Yeah. This film could take place uh, in May. Mm-hmm. This film could take place 
on a random day, you can throw a dart at a calendar and like the narrative would make just as much sense. This film could be a lot more, this film could be a lot more, uh, even more so than maybe it is or is not um, mm-hmm. propagandistic by taking place on the 4th of July. That wouldn't yeah, make this film could take place I'll on say Memorial just Day. given when the J Day is, that doesn't make historical sense necessarily. <laughs> it would be a little quick, but yeah, you could. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'm just saying, 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 I'm just saying, saying, like the script. Like, but it's it's better when they have the big fake snow. It is on not. Their hats, it is and not you know a story that it's in which... Christmas because Christmas is important. We all agree. Uh, we all in in and... America, at least in most of the Western world, we right. all agree that Christmas is a thing that has importance. And like, what? I mean, like, literally, what is more magical and what is more mm-hmm. heartwarming and what is a better reward at the end of this journey? Because going home to your yeah. family who loves you, great, nine out of ten. Yeah. Going home to your family who loves you, yep. and it's Christmas morning. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and then you get to spend Christmas with them. The light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. is you get you get your family Christmas. Boom! Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and this so movie good. is um, so good. A movie in which God definitely exists and there are angels. I I have trouble necessarily even saying that it is the Christian God. It's like it's kind of hard to pinpoint this God as like, ah, yes, this is the God of Jesus in Judea. Because the angels, it's like this movie's approach to um, like the mythology of like angelic heaven is more akin to like the way that Spirited Away treats like Japanese Japanese folk religion than like, you know, actual Japanese folk religion, you know? Like they're all basically like angels are just dead people no, and I, God lives in the sky, so that means he's in space. And like, yeah. Yes, no, I know. I was thinking that same shit as I was watching this. And again, and again, and it just goes back to like, it just goes back to that, like, like our ability to like really understand like pre-1950s American pop political discourse. Like it's just been, it's been literally like it is, I mean, it's been hidden from us, right? It has been purposely obfuscated Mm -hmm. by, by the far right in order to push this false populist fascist narrative that they want to push um that it's always been the way they say it is etc 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 so my 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 ability to truly read that moment is extremely warped but when this film opens and it's a cluster of galaxies talking to one another and one of them's like hey god it's me your best friend who is also a galaxy we need to send an angel down to this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and then like a literal star. I'm just like, I like literally the thought I had is I'm like, oh my and, like, God, that, that's, the I'm star like, reads so progressive. I don't know if it I, is truly. I don't know if that was that progressive for, for the 1940s, but like we have been, but I mean, just religion and Christianity and all of this stuff has been yeah. so co-opted by fascists for the last 50 years and like by evangelical fascists that it's just like anything that isn't this like strict, like, like conformist, like horrendous view of religion pre 10 yeah. years ago, like pre the book of Mormon musical. I'm just like, Oh my God. I was like, that 
that's really progressive at the time. And I don't actually know if it is, but the fact that they're like, yeah, God's a galaxy might as well to my yeah, brain. Yeah. I think not enough people talk about how we live in a very weird time in terms of social practice of religion in America, like in the modern age where we are approaching for the first time ever a situation in which the majority of the populace is either like deeply agnostic or specifically atheistic and does not, hold to any one specific religious practice, which is an absolute like non-starter for the majority of Western human history. Um, but also we are coming off a time in which like Christianity as it exists in America has been so monolithic as it has been associated with the rise of the religious right from like the 1950s to then Reagan in the, in the eighties that like, I, we live in a weird time when there's not this, you know, breadth of, I, I I think that for most of human history and most of American history, the way that people culturally practice religion in public spaces is just a lot weirder and less, less singular than it has been in America in the last, you know, 70 years. And I think that's represented in this film. I mean, fuck, Jimmy Stewart yeah. says, he's like, yeah, I'm not really like a God guy. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily believe in all this. I'm not the praying type, but yeah, like, not really that you can have type. that in the movie and yeah. also the emotional climax of the movie. The, the emotional climax of this movie is after a angel from heaven comes to a man and tells him that it is against the law of heaven to commit suicide. A man ends up like, pleading with God to have his life back. And I watch this movie and I watch a movie in which that happens. And I go, I don't know. It doesn't like feel like Christian propaganda though. Like that's, yeah, like it's, that's odd. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that's the thing is because it is, it is mm -hmm. such an appeal to and for humanity. Whereas nowadays, I mean, nowadays it is like, like there's a whole fucking market. I I, I highly mm. recommend people go check out um YouTuber Maggie May Fish's many videos on like cheap, yeah. like low budget, phoned in, faith based films about how those things are about those exact things are mm -hmm. about worshiping capitalism and promoting fascism, yeah. and like that is what those things serve. Like God's not dead is. The, the God's epitome not, of right wing. God's propaganda. not dead is an anti you know, This is a particular interest to the two of us. Uh, a movie about how if you are a podcaster who is left of center, you will get cancer and die. That's what that movie is about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And and that's the thing is like yes, I I wholeheartedly agree. It's like yeah. the angel comes down from heaven yeah. and it's like, hey, yeah. boss can't fucking do that i'm an angel and then he's like and it's like but it's like it's like the things he the things mm -hmm. he gains are not eternal salvation through our lord and savior mm -hmm. jesus christ bow down before him you filthy peasant it is not you know it's not that he is this like homeless vagrant who like whatever and it's like well if you accept christ then you can like be rich and have a trad wife who like will mm -hmm. like birth your kids and then you'll have power and you'll be cool and part of the cool kids club it it is a thing about like yeah there are people who love you and there are people you love and no matter how hard yeah. times get we can't forget about that and if you do forget about it let's remind you that uh you don't you don't want to have to learn the hard way 
that the people in your life are there to be loved and to love you in return. And that is a message that you will not find in modern Christian propaganda. Nope. Nope. And on the flip side, it doesn't feel like modern Christian propaganda. Religious imagery has become so fucking toxic that you almost can't do it anymore. Movies are like weirdly secular now. It's like you can't do religion or sex in movies now, which makes it feel like we're back in the 1950s. Like, you know, like it's one of the other reasons. Uh, uh, oh, right. sorry, I just dropped my water bottle. A director will never talk about it again on this podcast, Martin Scorsese. It's one of the things I like about him so much is that he makes movies that are like deeply Christian in their themes and and yet do not, you know, conform with the, uh, you know, the, 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 the base American social expectations of what that means. Yeah. Yes. Great movie. Ugh. Good fucking movie. Love this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very, 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 um, very Gotta very call out, I think you um, mentioned the first half, but uh, I'm trying to think, is this the first time I cry in this movie? Mm, I cried. I Every time I watch this movie, I cry more. Uh, I think the first time I cried watching this movie, this time was um, when he comes to meet Mary again. A fantastic scene because it's working on this trope that I don't think I've ever seen in a different movie, which is the woman is pursuing the guy, but the reason that he doesn't want to get with her is that he just knows that he loves her too much and it would be a problem for him personally. Yeah, yeah, it was rules. And uh, rules. you see in the background the, the the drawing of George Bailey lassoing the moon. And that's when I start crying for the first time. <laughs> so sweet. It's really, it's really the sweet. sweetest thing in the world. It's, it's one really, of those really things sweet. where you watch it and I go, ah, yes, love does exist. It's one of those things where it's like, it's so sweet and lovely and gorgeous that I would highly contemplate actually. Yeah. Picture to hang on my wall I think it's it kind of so sweet. Ugly. I think you could integrate it in a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I probably could, but I, yeah, no, I mean, okay. That is the one. And like, and again, and I can find yeah. a reading of it. That's not as regressive as maybe it sounds on paper, mm-hmm. but the one, mm-hmm. the one was like, well, what happened? I wanted to, to talk about this. Yes. She never married. She's an old maid. And now that is the one the, thing in this movie that hits me a little weird. Cause it's <laughs> the worst possible thing that, cause it's such a great buildup of is. like, well, no, George, your kids were never born. Like, and your brother is dead. And guess what? All the GIs that you would have saved are dead too. And your mother's, you know, your mother's a poor boarding house agent and the entire town has gone to shit and Potter owns everything. And it's this build and build yes. and build and build. And like all your friends are like, you know, poor and broken, hate each other. And, and then, and the worst thing, the love of your life never got married. The worst thing that can happen to a woman. Yeah. But, and, and so, and so the, 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 the one and only thing I want to say about it yeah, is like good. you mentioned, she's the one who's pursuing mm-hmm. him from the, from, from the beginning. So there is a reading of it. That's like, like George, what are you talking about? Like we, like we established that George. you were the only man she would have ever yeah. fallen in love with. So when, if you don't exist, George Bages, like, I love she you until never the day I gets die. to experience that. Yeah. yeah. However, it is kind of the way it's like, and again, she's an adult, but it's like, well, so she works at the library. Really? This is like a bit of a prude. Yeah. 
You really want it's a little, you it's want a little Jimmy hard to, to take overlook. her glasses off and take the pit out of her hair, and then you see that she's actually hot. Like it's that look. Right. It is that's mm-hmm. a little bit that's a little bit harder to overlook. Cause I did, I did definitely laugh when she's like, where's Mary? I was like, well, she's locking up the library. Honestly, I was amazed that Pottersville still has a library. Seems like the kind of thing he'd get rid of. Yeah. Comic books and books about drinking booze. But yeah, um, so yeah, that was the one thing yeah. that I was kind of like, okay, there that that's a little bit regressive, but like also for the time, like I don't know, I guess better that than like, well, she married, yeah, she yeah, married yeah, yeah, an abusive man, ah, like I think yeah. I think yeah. it's better that if she it never is found the... happiness, mm-hmm. which is like kind of what their relationship is based on, but like at the same time, it is just like that would have been that would have actually mm-hmm. been, I think maybe a better choice. As if it's just like, well, what happened to Mary? And it's just like, yeah, she's gone. I don't know. She just like married some guy. She doesn't live here anymore. Once well, here's the magic yeah. mirror. Look, she just there's her, and, and her she's like twenty percent less happy Schmort than she would have been. Yeah, it's not very dramatically. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that that no, is no, more no, no, regressive no, no, no. to me than the scene where like she like makes fun of her for not having any clothes on. <laughs> Like that scene is yes, correct. When he like yes, yes. and that is when he boys will a be boys. That if this movie came out in the seventies, would back. be like so much a sexual assault that you wouldn't even be able to look at it. And in this movie, you're just like, oh, it's kind of like that's yeah. how he's teasing her. Like it's funny. <laughs> like it's yeah. You're like you're like he shouldn't be doing that. But like they're having fun, but like maybe it's not a good kind of. Maybe they should. Maybe we should have taught boys like James Stewart why that's inappropriate. Sooner, yes. rather than later. Yeah, and it's and it's they do the due diligence of like, well, the fir- his instinct is to immediately give her the robe back, and then he realizes that like, oh, right. this can be a joke, and it's so clearly a joke. And then as soon as something else is going on. He drops the joke and immediately gives her the robe back because right. that's, you yeah. know. It's not a, it's yeah, not a, yeah. hey boys, you know what's cool. It's like a, it's like, oh, yeah. look at these two kids having fun together. He's picking on her a little bit because he yeah. likes yeah. her, which is a problematic trope. he likes her and Which is a problematic him. trope, but it is, yeah. it is how we raise mm-hmm. people in this universe and it is, it is mm-hmm. shorthand and it's effective shorthand, it's, even if it's problematically effective shorthand. Just about the only way I know how to flirt, unfortunately. Problematic shorthand? <laughs> no, I was just going to say by making jokes at the expense of the uh, We can unpack that another time. Yeah. Um, all right. You. you have to go. We need to, <laughs> need just, to get yeah, out of it. You have a hard out question, for this one. Which is, mm. do, do you watch this film in black and white or in color? I have seen it. I, I was thinking about this. I watched it in color this time because that was the one that was di- in on Amazon first. I think I've seen it. I think I've seen it like two okay. times both ways. Because I I hit the color transfer is really good. I am like kind of almost morally opposed to it, but it is a really good right. colorization. Well, because that was a thing. So let's see. But okay. So it does look like it looks like it was initiated by people in the production. It looks like the art director of the film kind of got yeah. the ball rolling and then Capra 
enthusiastically agreed to pay half the cost of colorizing the film um, mm-hmm. and gave preliminary approval. Which is funny because Jimmy Stewart. Uh, yeah, too. So, yeah. Stewart very much did not want it to happen. Okay, well, that's fair. Because, yeah, because I went, I, yeah. I just, it's, yeah. it's interesting because I type in It's a Wonderful Life on Amazon, mm-hmm. which is just like when you when you Google it's God, it's we live in hellscape. When you Google it's a wonderful life, the mm-hmm. top result is the version of it that's on Amazon. And then you click on that. And then the yep. when you hit play, it plays the colorized version. And then it and then yeah. the black and white is is the alternate version on Amazon. So I was mm-hmm. like, this is heresy. So I watched it in black and white. It's great both ways. That's the thing about it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I agree with uh, Jimmy Stewart and Martin Scorsese who say we should leave black and white films well enough alone yes. to find just the way they are. But the colorization is really, really quite okay cool in this movie. Um, and this film has such a strong sense of, like, like most great black and white films, has a really strong sense of lighting and a really great chiaroscuro that, like you can put colors on top of it. And if you do a good job, it looks fucking yes. great still, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I've watched it both ways. I, I kind of have no preference cause I just see them as like two different things, but yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. that having been said, I do need yeah. to fucking go. So Corey, would you like to tell the nice people on the internet yeah, where they go. can find us on the internet? If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review will also really help out the visibility of the show. A huge thank you to Callie McAlexander for our social media. Please make sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Pod. A very special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. We'd love to have you over there and you can get all of our content for starting at $3 per month. Any other questions, please head over to patreon.com slash Pod. Hey, oh, this is the end of our season. This is our yeah. last episode. Merry Christmas, everyone. This is the Can last one. We... Merry Christmas. Hopefully we said Merry that Christmas. up top. I don't really remember. Happy Hanukkah. Happy yeah, Kwanzaa. Happy holidays, everyone. Um, happy and safe New Year. Happy, happy Christmas. Ha- Merry Christmas and happy War on Christmas. I want to, I, I want to really yes. service both sides on that one. Um, we're gonna be going into our seasonal break. We're coming back. I'm very excited about a lot of the stuff we're doing next season. We're like in the planning stage, and we've got some yes. very fun. In the meantime, we will be coming about. back with yeah. the scenes. Um, and we didn't mm-hmm. do a seniors last season, so I think this is a 2023 smorgasbord. I think we haven't discussed Ooh. this properly, but Ooh, I think we just the whole year that. of 2023 is open for business. I think so. Um, we're doing the seniors and then the Howies a yes. couple months after that when, you know, that's kind of come together. Um you know, I'll say two seasons of this show. It, it's very hard for me to think of a lead actor performance that might beat Jimmy Stewart. In Ooh, this. okay. Yeah, that's then that's not a bad take. I mean, this is the thing I love about the insanity, which is this podcast, which is he's up against Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs. But that's a that's a content he's a question. Is he a leader of supporting? <laughs> he is. I, I don't know. Allow you if you if you <laughs> nominate him. Okay. Nah, he's a leader. I, I agree. I agree. Supporting, I would just yell into the mic until you were done, so no one could hear it happen. What if? What if I nominated him in lead and Jodie Foster in supporting? 
That would be sexism. That would, that be, would like, be the most. That wouldn't even be like unconscious bias, like showing how the academy is flawed and how they <laughs> and how they devalue women's yeah. performance. That would be an act of active sexism. That would be a conscious. Yeah, act yeah. That's somebody. That's somebody coming out and saying, "I have an agenda," and that agenda is that I don't believe that women can be the leads of films. Jesus. Well, with that said, happy holidays, uh, everyone. Thanks again for another happy holidays of this insane, ridiculous show. Uh, I love it. I love this movie. I love, I love you, you Caroline. Corey, happy holidays. You're not actually here, but you are listening. I, we love yes. you, Corey. Well, I love you. I assume Carson does. We love stuff. you. I love. I, know, I, love, love, I love Corey. Corey. I love so, Corey. and Callie, thank you so much. We love you too. We're gonna have a Thank we're gonna so have much. a fun time. Was it Thank bonus you so stuff? Much. And we got a lot of a lot of cool stuff uh, planned for next year. So we'll see you guys. We'll see you next year. Mm-hmm.